What's going on, guys? Thank you so much for downloading and listening to the show. Really appreciate that. We just ended our winter giveaway. Uh, we're going to do the live drawing on YouTube for the winner. I'm really excited. Thank you so much for everybody that entered to win and shared and liked and commented. Uh, it was overwhelmingly uh, successful, and the amount of support we got was just huge. So I can't thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for that. Um, my guest in this episode, it's a special episode. What we're doing and what we're going to do moving forward each season is an episode for talking to them about that. And how we're going to do this is I'm going to pick a movie. In this case, it was Ladder 49. And we're going to talk to somebody who has a very unique perspective on that movie. Today's guest is Mike Shaw. He's a volunteer firefighter in Pennsylvania. Uh, and so we're going to be talking about 2004's thriller, Ladder 49, starring Joaquin Phoenix and John Travolta. I hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, thank you so much again for all the support. And make sure you check out that YouTube video later on in the month when we drop the winner. But without further ado, on with the show. Mike, man, long time no talk. So happy to have you here. Thank you so much. Of course. We got a special episode today uh, outside the conventional uh, format. This episode is called Talking to Them About That. And what we're doing for this episode is I'm talking to somebody who has a specific and unique perspective on the movie at hand. So typically what I'll ha have it do is my guests will pick the movie that they want to talk about. But for this one, I kind of picked the guest rather than the movie. So we have Ladder 49. Um, which obviously is is iconic movie and centered around firefighters, and you yourself are a firefighter. Yeah. So uh, this is going to be great. I'm looking. I have so many questions because I know absolutely nothing about firefighting, um, and we'll center it around the movie. So uh, as always, what we want to try to do here is determine whether or not Ladder Forty Nine was a good movie. But Typically, what I'll say is that's you know up to the viewer, and there's a lot of things that they take into perspective. But for this one, I mean, we kind of know Ladder 49 is a good movie. It's iconic. It's been around for you know 10 years or so. Uh, what I want to kind of approach this is from the angle of, is it a good movie to a firefighter? To somebody who knows about the industry, do they consider it a good movie? So let's try to answer that through the course of this show. Um, so a couple questions right off the bat. Is are, do firefighters have ranks like the military? I mean, I know there's, there's a chief and a captain in this movie. So they do. So it's actually kind of funny. That's one of the things that kind of drew me to that. Obviously, you and I have a little bit of a <laughs> interesting background together. Um, so there is a rank structure, which is you know really really helpful, just because. I think uh, you can probably speak to this as well. It's something that you thrive on is mm -hmm. knowing who the next person up. If you're ever in a situation like who who do you go to? Who's in command? Um, so in our uh, firehouse, we have lieutenant, uh, captain, um, deputy chief, assistant chief, chief. You know who you go to um, if you're ever in a situation where you're at a fire or you're at an event. Um, there's always an incident commander. There's always someone that you know who to go to. So it's it's actually like way different than even the workforce because again you fall right back into that right. world of I know exactly who I need to go to if I have a question <laughs> I know who's responsible for me at any given time and it's kind of like that like safety blanket thing man yeah, that's great so in the movie they talk a lot about like uh, Joaquin Phoenix plays the the hose guy or like the lead hose I forgot what yep. the term they use do they have is that like real is that so yeah so you got to remember like every um fire departments broke like larger fire departments are broken down into different companies so you have your engine um you have your ladder it's it's a it's a whole different dynamic so i'm a member of a volunteer organization out where i live at um so dude we have literally four trucks mm -hmm. it's a kind of and i don't know if you know the way a volunteer organization works we don't live at the firehouse we have a paid guy who lives there all the time on weekends our officers will come in and they'll be the paid driver during the rest of that time so it's it's so the movie thing is it's kind of tough to compare the two because of the but I did grow up in a family where my uncle was a firefighter in Philly for Jesus. like thirty years. Um, so it's and I would I assume that 
the bigger cities have to be a mm-hmm. lot tougher because I, would, I mean more buildings, right. more fires, right? Yeah, we're even right, out, right outside of here. So I'm in West Narden. Um, so Narstown is surrounded by West Narden and East Narden, and Narstown has a full time crew. Like they run that way. Like so, you live at that firehouse. That is, you know, your job for what is it? It can either be four twelves or twenty fours, however they break it out. And Narstown's. Uh, Kind of like a smaller metropolitan. So if you think about uh, a New York City or a Philadelphia, you just shrink it down super small. That's mm-hmm. the way Norristown looks like. Um, that makes sense. So yeah, we ca- we get called in for mutual aid for them a lot. So yeah, yeah. where I, where I'm from, it's it's almost all volunteer. There's probably about four or five stations in in a you know a ten mile radius of my house, and they're all volunteers. So growing up, that's kind of all I knew. Is you know I had some friends that volunteered and stuff, but um, so how does how does that where you said you have there's one full time guy that lives there. Yep. So he literally lives, lives at. Like, so he has a, he has an apartment there and he actually lives there um, Monday through Friday. It's his responsibility of a call comes in. He's out the door ready to go. Generally, he's waiting for at least one person to show up to go with him because since he's the driver, he's also the pump operator. Right. So he's waiting for a guy who's going to grab that hose and run to the door with it. Um. So yeah, I mean he's on call twenty four seven living there. Like that's how, his house. how does that so how does that work? Say so if I'm the guy that lives at the fire station and I'm like, you know what, drug TV sucks. I want to switch to you know cable. Is that just like his call because it's his house or like, I mean, how does no, that work? It's, so remember, like with a with a township, like they everything's got to get approval. So it's oh, not yeah. there's everything has a cost and the township taxes pay for that. So everything goes through an approval. I mean. They're pretty good at the guy. The guy is a really good dude. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's – and I, mean, I think they said like a couple of years ago before this guy, they actually had a guy who lived there with his family. Wow. So, like, dude, like, tones drop. And you're running out the door. You're sitting there playing with your kids. Next thing you know, you're running <laughs> yeah. out the door. Like, Jeez, I didn't know yeah. that. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So when it comes to some of the larger firehouses, and maybe you can or can't speak on this, but, I mean, how many guys are typically living at the firehouse? So if you think about it this way, a man truck is four to five people. So oh, wow. if you're taking out one truck and you always want to make sure. So especially with us, what we do is if there's a call and we know it's something that's not too crazy. So my pager goes off and then also my phone, we have an app that, dude, it is really obnoxiously loud. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, it, weirdly enough, though, like sometimes I actually don't wake up for it in the middle of the night. And Kate will like tell me like the next morning that it went off. But <laughs> we'll talk about my sleeping habits another time. Um, but so that goes off. So I'm probably about five minutes away. Some of the people are three minutes away. So they'll get there. They'll get on the first truck. I'll most likely get on the second truck. Right. Or if it's something they know is not crazy, we sit there at the firehouse and we're there for that next call. Right. So we're, we're there just to hop on that next truck since the main truck went out. Right. Um, so generally, we just wait for a driver to show up. Once the driver shows up, we hop on that second truck and we're out the door. Okay, um, so that answers some of my immediate questions. So when it when it comes to the movie, I'm sure I'll have tons more. Um, yeah. When it comes to the movie, why it starts off, Joaquin Phoenix and his crew go into this enormous warehouse, mm-hmm. and they have to go to the twelfth floor. Um, he kind of they they get a couple people out. He stays back because he thinks there's another person there. He rescues this guy. Um, he, the the, the can you, can you talk a little bit about this rescue? It seems very unconventional to me that he has to like lower a guy down on a rope in order to hit the ladder. So we'll, we'll go through that a couple of different ways. So first off, we'll go through the training piece. Everybody goes through a crap ton of training. So every Wednesday night, we have training in our firehouse. So every Wednesday night for two hours, there's some sort of training. That's the first thing. In order to even be a volunteer, Bob, you have to have 180 hours of Jesus. training. You I mean, I guess I guess that makes sense. I mean, you're going yeah. to a burning building, but when well, you put it in that kind of perspective, it's it's a lot of that's a so lot of hours. I have a full time job. I have three kids at home, and I still went through it. And dude, it was like the test anxiety you feel as adult, an adult first off, dude. I don't want to hear anything about like how we felt as kids taking tests. As an adult, <laughs> it's terrible. How, um, so, as a guy with a family and a full time job. How long does it take you to get 180 hours? I mean, is that we talk about so three months, six months? It's structured. So COVID actually kind of screwed it up. So I started oh, it yeah, uh, I last year. I forget when I started it. Um, so I started it last year. So COVID kind of put us in the middle of a break. So I was supposed to be done. I was actually supposed to be done before Tommy was born. 
and then it ended up kicking. I ended up getting halfway through, and we picked up right after Tommy was born. So I started yeah. again in September. So ended up being like probably about four or five months total when all was said and done. Wow. So some of the weeks, I think like our last class, I was in class like the for the one of them like four nights, like I think it was two nights and then two full weekend days. What do you learn? I mean, obviously you learn to put out a fire, but like what what else do you learn? So out of it, you're first aid certified, CPR certified, hazmat certified. Um. You learn about the science of fire, essentially, like what causes a fire, what causes it to spread, how to extinguish a fire. They go over hoses, ladders, hydrants, um, your gear. Like the most important thing about it, if and I, again, I know this sounds dumb, but you again know your history of the core. Right. Yeah. The most important thing is what you have on your back and what you have with you. Like that's what's going to keep you alive. So. Uh, um, for certification, for example, you sit down with in certification, you go through stations and they ask you every single part of your air pack. Wow. You need to show that you know what the parts are, that you know how to operate each part. It's it, it actually is like mind blowing. Do they give you like a song to sing? Like, this is my air pack. There's no. only one. <laughs> no, there's no ditties, nothing like that. They make it fun at all. There's no um, there's no, you know, songs, nothing like that. Um being older now, which really is painful to say, um, <laughs> being way more out of shape, being way more broken down, it was definitely a humbling experience going through it. Um, again, not loving heights was really, really a struggle. Um, you consider the fact that your gear weighs 60 pounds on top Jesus. of what you have on you. It's, dude, it is a game changer when you're getting up on a ladder with an extra 60 pounds. Yeah, I, mean, I watched a lot of the behind the scenes on this film in preparation for the for the cast, and the the crew went through a ton of training as well. The yeah. actors, it was like two weeks long at least, and uh, that they said that's one of the biggest surprises they had is you really mm. don't think not only are you fighting gravity to walk up this ladder, but you have to walk up you know ten stories with all this gear. Dude, like, the, the the biggest thing about it is I know this sounds dumb is con- learning how to control your breathing. Oh, yeah, for so sure. Those bottles that you have are rated for 45 minutes. So when they're rated for 45 minutes, you really need to think they're rated for 30. Being that I made poor choices when I was a little bit younger, <laughs> my breathing was a little bit less than satisfactory. So I remember the first time I ever got on a bottle, it was it was gone dry in like 10 minutes. I'm sitting there like <laughs> huffing away on it. Um, and that's been one of the things I've been working on, working on like skip breathing, working on controlling it. Because, again, as you're masking up when you walk in the door, you're masking up before you go on the ladder. Because when you go through that window and there's smoke in there, you want to make sure that you're already breathing clean air. Yeah, for sure. So you're already performing strenuous activity before you get into that building. So most of the time, you're already out of breath. You think about it. You're carrying a tool up the ladder. You're not walking up the ladder with nothing in your hands. You're carrying a tool, whether it's a a pike, an axe, a halogen bar, um, a hose – either charged or uncharged mm-hmm. and dude don't even get me started about hoses those things weigh a lot more than you think <laughs> so so joaquin phoenix saves the guy um and the floor gives way and he finds right. himself a couple stories down um a little hurt and then and then we get really to the, the guts of the movie which is the long build-up um right he he has essentially this flashback um at least i i don't know they're, they're, they describe it as a flashback in a lot of the videos i watched but it's it's his story as a firefighter. It, the movie's very central around his character. He the it picks up with his first day walking into the firehouse, um, and he well, goes. I have something to catch you on. Did you pick up on the fact that the dude, the one black dude in there, is Ricky from Boys in the Hood? No, I didn't. Mars Chestnut, the one dude in there, the ball black dude, is <laughs> yeah. the dude, Ricky from Boys in the Hood. I did not catch up. Uh, Yo, catch man, come on, man. This is your gig. You and he gets <laughs> <laughs> he's the one he gets the steam, right? That was a horrifying scene. Yeah, dude. We need to go back and do a thing on Boys in the Hood. Oh, we'll, we'll go back man. another day and do another yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. So he he gets to the firehouse and he meets John Travolta and the other guys. There's there's obviously a little bit of hazing going on here. It's all friendly. Yeah. Um, is, how, talk about the camaraderie with the guys in the firehouse, dude. I will tell you right now, and and I'm pretty sure Kate could even speak on this behalf. It is a family. Like first and foremost, it when let, let's say for example, I'll, I'll give you a really good example. Kate and I were in the hospital when Tommy was born. 
Kate put on Facebook that she was looking for a pizza place because with COVID, like, obviously there was nothing going on. Right away, one of the moms from the firehouse was texting her trying to make sure that we didn't need food, them to bring food by. Like, just completely unsolicited, like, things like that. Like, it was just, it. I'm going to tell you right now, like, I would trust any of them. They're all good guys. They, girls, all that. Um, It's a family. Like, first and foremost, that's one of the, the truest things about that movie is it's a family. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems it seems like that. And obviously, you know, both of us come from the core. I kind of have some sense of what that's mm-hmm. like um, with the camaraderie there. But so the, the movie was originally planned for New York City. Obviously, before the, the film is is created, um, September 11th happens mm-hmm. and they feel they make the, the what I consider the, the wise decision not mm-hmm. to have these burning buildings in New York City and they move it to uh, Baltimore. Right. Um, which had tons of big warehouses that the mayor basically said, please set fire to them. Yes. <laughs> We're begging you. <laughs> so do you guys do you guys have any like training like that as far as like on live buildings? Or yeah, I know, like so, no, really funny story, dude. We actually just had a house that was um this is about a month ago. There was a house that was about to be demoed, um, not too far from the firehouse, and they actually offered it the firehouse for training. So oh, we wow. got to go in there um, and just do a couple live exercises in there. Um, they had a cinder block basement with a, a steel door in there. We were able to work on, you know, forcible entry, things like that. The second time we went through there, we did, um, like, they actually had it planned out as we were arriving live to a scene. So prying the door open, doing oh, a awesome. primary search. Um, so it was pretty cool. They, um, the other opportunity, too, is to break through walls, stuff like that. Now... I don't know if you understand how tight the studs are between it's in a 16 wall. inches, I think, right on center. Okay. Yeah. So one of the things they do in training, like during in the academy, and they have you to practice is fitting through a 16 inch. <laughs> now, Bob, I, it's been a while. Is since there, we've seen each other? Is there a video of this? I got to see a video of you getting through 16 inches studs. So, dude, it's actually a lot easier than you think. Really. Yeah. What, so, what's the, what's the tip? What's the key I need to know if I want to bust so through a wall? Me, like, hey, man. like I'm, I have wide shoulders and a little bit of belly at these days. Um, <laughs> so you literally just put your air pack through and then lean back and then put your arms through and swim through. And it's like, oh, that makes sense. That's a lot easier. You and you just shrink your body down as much as you can that way. What do you guys? So when I when I think of a of a wall with no drywall, I think not only the studs but the electrical. What do you so do that's with that? The problem. So if you can, you try to move yourself to a position that's not by an electrical outlet. If not, you're going to have to fight the wiring too. So a lot of us carry snips in our pockets. Like I have snips in my pocket. So mm-hmm. if I ever get the situation. So when you get into a building, the first thing you're supposed to do is you're supposed to turn off the utilities. That makes sense. So this way, if you're ever in a situation like that, you can cut a wire and be sure you're not going to zap yourself. Right. Um, that would change the game a little bit if you did not do that. Um, but I, I Ideally, they teach you to, as you go through, to fight through the wires to make sure that you're separating the wires from yourself. You have a lot of equipment on your gear, whether it's your flashlight, whether you're the tool you're holding, your tags, your air pack, it will catch on something. So they teach you essentially to get comfortable with being in a room with wiring and things like that. So what you, you mentioned that you guys do training every uh, once a week or whatever. Is it is it like um, I think of like uh, like uh, being a medic or something that you have to have so much training each year to keep your license? So a couple of things that we have that are required is we have to do hazmat research every year. We mm-hmm. have to hazmat. Or we have to do CPR and first aid every year. Those are required. We don't really have a choice. Um, as far as other requirements, I mean, once every couple of years they try to push push us through the burn building, which is literally a building down at the fire academy that they set a controlled fire in right you put the fire out um and again remember that controlled fire thing it's not real it's not as hot as it really is it's controlled mm-hmm. uh, it's and again in a small township like mine there's not as many fires as you know some fire bugs love to see i mean that's just the way it is but Training is legit. I mean, we have a building at the state hospital by us that we use for training. What they'll do is when it starts getting warmer out, they will literally set up a smoke machine in there, turn the smoke machine on, fill the whole area up with smoke, and have us go through the whole area doing searches and just practicing. 
So that was one of the things that uh, John Travolta and Joaquin Phoenix both said in their interviews was, you know, you get so much training before you even enter the building. Mm -hmm. And then when you enter the building, all that goes right out the window because he's like, it's your, he said he felt very claustrophobic with the smoke. You can't see your senses go away. Yeah, he said you you walked in. We walked in with three people together in a plan, and within thirty seconds, we were all spread out and didn't know where each other was. So the whole idea is, like, when you enter a building for a search, it's you either call a left hand or right hand search. And Bob, that's what you follow by. My right hand is on the wall. Your hand is on my shoulder, or if we're low, your hand's on my boot. And we ain't going nowhere until unless that is actually happening. If your mm-hmm. hand's not on my boot, I'm stopping. The entire time you're talking, communicating, because. Your sense of smell is overtaken. Right. You're, um, you obviously can't see anything. I don't know if you've ever been in a room full of smoke. Uh, I, I have. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different kind of smoke, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're in a room full of, so think about black heavy smoke, not that white smoke, not yeah. gray smoke, like black heavy smoke. You don't see anything. So you said you're communicating. Are, are you? I, obviously, I'm assuming you guys have radios with the people on the outside. Do, right. Are you talking on radios with the people talking. with you as well? No, no you're just talking. We're, we're actually physically talking. Wow. Okay, so, so that's got to be tough at times. Right. So think about all the things that are going on. You're overexerting yourself. You're now either in a low crawl. You're in. You're dragging your legs along. And everybody always thinks about like the traditional house. Like it's not going to be a traditional house when that time comes. Right. There's going to be stuff everywhere. Like most likely, that house is on fire. It's probably going to be a hoarder. Yeah. Like you just, and that's one of the things they try to plan for with you and try to make sure that you understand. Wow. Um, so he, he gets to the firehouse he has, there's a couple scenes of camaraderie and stuff like that. And quickly, uh, him and one of his friends bump into some females and, uh, mm-hmm. they ask him out and go on dates and everything. Now, firefighters are notoriously the, the sexy, I mean, just looking at you, I can see you oozing sex appeal. It's, it's um, that sheen off my top of my head, <laughs> that lighting the, the the calendar is always the muscle bound guy in the firefighter uniform. Uh, what kind of attention, good or bad, do you get now? You know, out in the public. I mean, um, see, I'm, and you know me by now. I'm I'm different with it. Like I, the reason I wear this jacket is because it's super comfortable. Other than that, <laughs> you wouldn't know. Now I've started making sure that I wore blue shirts or the company shirts just because if I have to run to a, the firehouse, it's a right. lot easier to have it on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have to worry about getting changed or anything like that. That's something really silly. But um, attention is always really good. Like people are really good with the understanding of the people that are, you know, there to help them. So, I mean, I, I will tell you, I've been to a Wawa. I've been to a Dunkin' Donuts where I've, uh, even when I was going to the academy, I showed up in my uniform and take coffees on the house. Like, I mean, people are really, really good with. And that's great. That's the way it should be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we both know that, you know, being in the military, it comes with, you know, that comes with a little bit of it too. You know, you get the military discount or whatever. But mm-hmm. so I actually had a friend um, who will be on the podcast later on this season out out in, in the town, military uniform, crazy guy comes up and stabs him right in the face. So t- talk about, do you get any sort of negative reaction from people? Nah, but. I, was, I couldn't negative. imagine. Well, how, how could you be mad at a firefighter? Like, no, Jesus. I mean. And again, it's it's kind of that thing. I mean, I, I again, I can't. I obviously haven't been doing it as long as some. So some people might have some stories about it, but people are generally respectful to those who are like you know coming into their home to try to help them. I mean, there are some instances, obviously, where you hear the stories where people don't want you in there. That's fine. That's why, okay. What? Why wouldn't they want you in there? Like, what do they have something in there they don't want you to see? It's like a, a dungeon of whips and chains, or handcuffs. Smack that little hair my arm. You know, I, who who knows, man? Like it's it's just some situations. I mean, again, it's it's weird having people come into your home. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not too sure. It, it who who knows what it is, but for the most part, dude, it's always been good, especially with this, this township. The people are really good. So him and his buddy, uh, they they meet these girls, and him and one of the girls hits it off, and the couple montages later, and they're married, and she's popping out kids. Now, I think the movie does a pretty good job kind of expressing her overall support for the job while also <laughs> kind of showing that she's a little concerned for his safety at times. Obviously, I mean, who wouldn't be? 
Yeah. Um, so you're married, you got three kids, young kids. <laughs> can you, can you talk a little bit about what stress, if any, that the being a firefighter has added to your relationship? Kate's great, dude. You've known Kate since we started dating. I mean, <laughs> she's awesome. Um, this was obviously a conversation with her. Cause like I said, I did this in my thirties. I didn't do this when I was 15, 16. Um, she get, has given up a ton for me to be able to do this. Um, tones drop in the middle of dinner. I leave. She's taking care of the kids, cleaning up dinner. I mean, I can't, I can't say enough about it. I will say that when the calls come out, we usually know what the call is when the call comes in. Mm-hmm. She'll ask what it is. Um, I'm pretty sure that there's some, you know, consternation there with her about, you know, what's going on. We don't really talk about it. Um, I mean, but I'm pretty sure, you know, it's there. Right. When when you decide when you made this decision or when you guys had the initial talk about being a firefighter, I mean, was there that tough conversation of like, well, obviously, I don't want you running into a burning building. Like, well, it was obviously no at first. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't an immediate yes. Um, so to give a little bit of background, like when I first got out of the corps, like my whole goal was to become a cop. Like that was that was where I was at. Obviously, she was not for that. Um, <laughs> a lot of things at that point with my knee and stuff like that had kind of, you know set that off but as time went on like you know that call for service was kind of there for me it just stayed there and it wouldn't go anywhere um and again i'm pretty sure you know that feeling yeah, absolutely there's, absolutely there's call all i got to imagine that there's a lot of guys both in firefighter yeah. and police force that are ex-military yeah there's i mean our um our assistant chief or deputy chief i forget what it is um is a army vet yeah and it's just that that call is always there in the back of your mind. And like, this is a way for me to feel like I'm actually doing something with it. So, you know, um, it, there was a conversation, obviously. Um, it, it took a little bit of, you know, kind of talking and talking and talking. And, you know, ended up being a good thing. And like I said, I think it was a right decision for both of us. I mean, it's, I'll tell you right now that the kids thinking you're the superhero thing before. Well, <laughs> now I put the cable. Like it's 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 a really That's great. Cool yeah. Um, do they understand? Like, there. yeah. Jake and good. Mia do obviously. Um, I I take them there as much as possible, um, mm-hmm. just to kind of get them in there. A lot of the guys in the firehouse, like, kind of grew up in the firehouse. They were ten years old when they were first there, and they've mm-hmm. grown up in there. And now they're, I know one of the guys now eighteen is just graduated from high school, is a full fledged firefighter, is looking to go to a paid company. Great dude, great yeah. family. His dad's the president of the company. It's they're, you know, it's it's a great place for a kid to grow up at. I think That's just to great. understand what they go through. So he uh, he builds Joaquin Phoenix builds a, a strong relationship with with the guys with him, and then we have this shocking scene. At least I thought it was shocking because I did not see it coming. Ah, uh, the they, roof. Yeah, they go to a fire, um, and a bunch of them go to the roof now. Long story short, the scene ends with one of them falling through to his death. And I don't really want to get into that yet because that, that conversation will come later. But can you talk about what they were doing? Why were they going to the roof and trying to poke holes in it? So the first thing you do is whenever there's a fire, you're trying to release some of the heat and then some of the oxygen from within the room. Because if you have to do a search, you mm-hmm. want to try to cool that room off as much as possible if you have to do a search. So putting someone on the roof, the idea is to create some ventilation, some more for the heat and the smoke to go. So this way you can hopefully clear out the room and you can actually kind of push the fire a certain direction. So what does fire need? Fire needs oxygen. Well, if you can push the fire to where the oxygen's at, you can kind of hopefully create some clear space for, you know, life-saving attempts, things like that. So that was the first thing they were trying to do. So if you notice, they're sounding the roof, they're trying to feel out where it's soft at, things like that. And that unfortunately is, you know... He, one of the things he, yeah he falls through and it's it's pretty tough because this is one of the characters this is the character that's with him when he meets his wife for the first time um and i honestly i kind of assumed being you know a, a sappy hollywood movie that somebody was going to die at some point i didn't realize it was going to be a relatively main character this early on um it's it's tough because his brother also works at the fire department and mm-hmm. that's that's another thing i wanted to touch on you had mentioned you know a lot of the, the kids grow up in the firehouse and they, they get older and they join i got to imagine much like there being a lot of military members there's got to be a lot of family members too so there are so right now at our firehouse there is 
I would say there's a brother and sister there. Sorry, I'm moving to somewhere where I have a little bit more power, Bob. No, you're fine. I, my laptop's about to die. From the far reaches of the galaxy to an internet location near you, we're Don'tForgetATowel.com, your daily source for geeky pop culture news, reviews, interviews, and so much more. So as you're hitchhiking your way through the universe, don't forget to travel safe, and don't forget a towel. So there's a brother and sister there. Um, there's a group of folks that literally live across the street from each other and grew up together. So it is one of those things where there's a lot of history, if not blood family, they are family still. So you had mentioned that the one of them, the 18 year old is going for a paid gig. How does, can you talk a little bit about how that transition happens? How do you go from volunteer to paid and what does it require? Well, so we all have a volunteer has the same certifications as a paid. So we go through the same trainings, things like that. I mean, Philly Academy is a little bit different. Uh, Montgomery County, they, whether it's a paid or volunteer, we all go through the same training. So to put that in perspective, the guy that's right around the corner from you is going through the same exact training as, I don't want to say someone in New York, because there's a little bit more intense, but right. ideally they could be put into that situation where they go to a paid company. So they're just literally looking for openings in an area, and that's where they go. And then you you, you apply to it just like you would a job? Yep. Okay. You apply to, you go through the physical, you go through the written tests, things like that. It's, you know, pretty much the same as any other job, just a little bit more on the line. So, so once you get the paid gig, is that it? You're just paid from there on out or could you lose your job and go back to volunteer just like anybody else? You could lose your job. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a job. So if, you know, I mean, if you're not following by what the requirements are, qualifications, things like that, I mean, it's a job. Yeah. Wow, is that? I mean, is that where you hope to, to go? Is is paid gig or no? No, I'm 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 a little bit different on the day side. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you know what I do at this point on the day side. I actually work as um, director of IT at a hospital. Oh, nice. So I have a, a little bit of a different day job. Right. Yeah, a little bit more white collar during the day, a little bit more blue collar at night. <laughs> all right, all right. So um, one of the other things that they do in the movie quite a bit, and it kind of starts here after uh, the the one character's death is they start drinking um and a, a lot some of it's to, to mask um kind of the pain they're feeling but as the movie goes on and they actually lose another one of their brothers um the drinking kind of escalates it doesn't necessarily become an issue for any of them um but i mean is is firefighting is that a, a job that you would see more sort of alcoholism you know because of the the the, the process I, th I think maybe during older days, I think now it's, yeah, remember, like times have become a little bit different where there's a lot more support. Um, I don't want to say that that's, no, nah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that that's, you know, a direct result of it. Um, and again, that's not an experience that I can really speak on because I'm not in it 24-7, day after day after day. Right. Um, might be a lot different at a paid firehouse with a bunch of people. But I don't think that that's a correlation that's you know easily easy to make. I think that's a, a good Hollywood piece to say mm -hmm. that, but I, I don't really think that's a correlation you can easily make. Okay. Um, so as as our our flashback kind of catches up with present day, um, like I said, you see Joaquin grow from this rookie that entered the firehouse to a very well respected member of the unit. Uh, John Travolta, who plays the captain, I believe originally goes on to become an assistant chief. Although one of the things I want to comment about the movie, which bothers me, is they don't really show him getting promoted and leaving right. the firehouse. But there is a comment early on when he shows up at the scene and Joaquin Phoenix has gone through the floor. Um, somebody makes the comment, oh, it's it's uh, it's Morrison, which is Joaquin Phoenix's character. And he's almost shocked. But because they don't show that promotion, you're like, well, why is he shocked? Wouldn't he be there anyway? It's his engine. Neither here nor there. Um, so there's this camaraderie that's built up between John Travolta's character and Joaquin Phoenix's character. And you really get the sense that he's grown. They attempt to get to Joaquin Phoenix's character. Um, they're using a ton of different tools, not just the hose. Yeah. They have this giant like saw. Saw. So like I mean carbide blade. Yeah. What is that? And when so, the hell would you pull that out? 
they're on they're on all the trucks. So there's chainsaws on the trucks. There's circular saws on the trucks. There's every single tool you can imagine on those trucks. And is that if, just to get through whatever you got to get through? Like, if you need to get somewhere, you need to get have a tool to get through it. So I mean, you always have to have the right tool for the for the job. So I mean, they carry a ton of stuff on these trucks. It is not just a hose, axe, and crowbar anymore. It is. <laughs> I mean, you're fully prepared, and that's part of it. Like, for example, one of the things we were doing on Wednesday was maintenance. So this time around, we were changing our batteries out in our air packs. When we do maintenance other times, we check each one of the saws, make sure the saws are easy to pull, they have gas. Um, you carry box fans in there just for something simple as blowing smoke out of someone's house. Like, let's say, for example, you had, had a little bit of smoke in your oven, filled up your house. Mm-hmm. We bring a fan out, we blow the smoke out. I mean, it's it's there's a tool for every portion of the job in there. So, uh, like I had mentioned, I live, you know, really close to a bunch of different volunteer houses uh, around my area, but there really isn't a whole lot of fires. Um, occasionally, you'll get a fire downtown that'll wind up on the news. Uh, but for the most part, I see the fire trucks, I see the parking lot full of cars once in a while when I drive by, but no fires. So, talk to me a little bit. What are the calls that you guys are getting? I mean, obviously, aside from <laughs> fires, what do you what do you get most often? What do you get? You know, what do you hate to go to? So in the past, so year and a half that I've been there, I've already responded to three calls on my own block, literally running out of my house down to the, like literally running down there. One was lady. So remember the new alarms, if you don't know how to turn it off, it will call us. Wow. So the lady was cooking fake sausage on the stove, forgot she had it on there. It burned. Same lady on Thanksgiving morning, five o'clock in the morning. Uh, the tones dropped and I was I was like half asleep. I was gonna ignore it. And I heard like that it was my street. And I'm like, what the heck? Ran out of my house down the street. Her turkey was burning in her oven. Uh, cooking dinner the one night, heard the tones drop, my street. It was somebody else across the street who had a fire who had smoke coming out of their oven. So um, so these new these new uh, smoke alarms have are a pain in the ass. Yeah, well no, if you think about like an ADT, like that directly connects to you know the fire and police. They're great because if you're not home, that's a great thing that it calls us. Agreed. If you don't know how to operate them. And again, (laughs) it's always best that we get called first because God forbid something does happen. So let's be really clear there that it does what it needs to do. Um, The really tough ones are like um, carbon monoxide. Just because that's you are immediately it's odorless. You don't know where it's coming from. You literally take a sniffer out and it's a little gadget that has a long antenna on it. You take it out and you try to measure the readings to try to find out where it's coming from. You don't so see is it, it. Is it literally like a like you're getting warmer type thing where like it goes up, you're closer. It does. Do you Pretty have much. to go in full full masked up? Then? Is, yeah, you you're breathing in carbon monoxide. You're, you're right. dropping. So it's one of those things where you just don't know where it's coming from. You can't smell it. You can't see it. You, there's it sometimes makes no rhyme or reason. Um. But those are ones that can generally be a little bit more drawn out just because you're trying to identify. You're trying to make sure that the person's safe when you put them back into the house. It's not going to happen again in an hour. Right. The whole idea is when we go out, it's that we're not coming back out to the same place that night. I mean, if you think about it, even from a fire perspective, the worst case scenario, and that's why you see, I don't know how much they went through in the movie. Um, I don't think they really went through it a lot. There's actually a whole part of the job that they actually miss, which is called overhaul. So overhaul is after, let's say right now your basement room caught on fire. Well, the whole idea is that that spread somewhere else because you're not going to see it. So it involves, you know, poking holes in ceilings, walls, trying to see if any heat transfer occurred from one room to another. So that is a process after all the firefighting measures occur and they deem it safe. You go in and you check for extension because that, like I said, the worst case scenario is we tell you, hey, Bob, it's OK. You can go back in your house. An hour later, we get called back out because that fire is spread to your bathroom, your bedroom, right. and you get called back out. So there's actually a lot more work that occurs than just putting that initial fire out. So, I mean, do you guys still get the, the you know, my cats in a tree type calls? We don't get any of that here. Um, I don't know if it's just a symptom of being here. We mm-hmm. don't get it. Um, not very often. I mean, that you would never see anything like that. I mean, we get calls for, you know... Um, like assisting with lifting and like assisting EMTs, like helping getting a patient out of a house, things like that. Um, helicopter landings for getting someone to a hospital, things like that, making sure you block traffic. Um, one of the best things, dude, is right now during COVID is doing a drive-by for a little kid for their birthday. 
I mean, oh, that's it's, great. Yeah, I mean, that's that's something that's really, you know, a way to give back to the community. Um, really like Fire Safety Week. We do a lot of activities with the community. Um, get a lot of chance to interact with kids. It's it's really, really good. It's definitely an organization that spends a lot of time giving back to the community and paying attention to the needs of the community. That's awesome. So uh, in the movie, uh, they they essentially can't get to Jack. Um, right. And and he makes the selfish sacrifices to tell the captain or the, or the deputy chief at the time, uh, John Travolta, take the guys out. It's not safe for them to be in here looking for me. The building's going to collapse. And he dies. And that's, I mean, so I, I the movie starts and I know as soon yeah. as he goes to the floor, I'm like, this, that's how it's going to end. I know that's how it's going to end. I can't believe they've already ruined the ending for me. This is ridiculous. And then you watch an hour and a half of this guy growing up and becoming mm-hmm. a firefighter. And when you get to that scene that you know is going to happen, crushing. it's crushing. crushing. It's crazy. You're but just I'm like, gonna give you, I'm going to give you like just the real, because you just brought up a really good point. They get to the end and they deem it's unsafe. Bro, I'm going to tell you right now that they make that decision before they send you in. Our lives, if it's a situation where they go up, it's the officer's job to size up the scene. If it's not safe, like that building wasn't safe to go into. If it's not safe to go in and you have the potential of losing a firefighter, they're not sending you in. Yeah, you know, I did. I did thought did cross my mind in the beginning. I'm I'm looking at this building and they're going up the stairs, and I'm like, there's literally fire everywhere. Right. There's no way they're going to the twelfth floor. Yeah. But honestly, as soon as I said that in my head, I was like, well, I mean, what floor were they on when the when the towers came down? Like that's, you know, why? Well, when when nine eleven happened, as as somebody. I was in 10th grade at the time. Uh, I'd obviously been thinking about the military, but hadn't committed yet. I watched that happen, and I immediately thought, you know, we're being attacked, terrorists, war, the whole nine yards. I, I, I was aware of the firefighters' situation, and obviously, you know, they got tremendous amounts of publicity and respect after that, which was completely warranted. But it wasn't really till watching this film where it, it sank into me that these guys— went into a burning building, mm-hmm. but not just that, they went so far away from the exit that it had to have crossed their mind, or at least some of them, that this was not going to end well for them. Well, you have to remember, for 9-11, it was a completely different situation. I don't think that the thought that the building was going to collapse actually hit them. So there's a life safety requirement there, like of trying to preserve as much life and as much property as possible. So that's your first goal when you get up to a scene is preserve as much life and as much, you know, property as possible. I mean, you know, they were doing their job. They were trying to preserve life. They were trying to get to as many people and get as many people to safety as possible. And I think that the structural integrity of the building, Bob, it's a skyscraper. Like those things don't go down. Yeah. Like they're not. When the the first one goes though, you gotta, there's gotta be some fear with them still going into the second one. I mean, that's, now it's got to be a reality. You see it happen right next door. But how many of those folks were on the second floor and were trapped or the third yeah. floor were trapped? I mean, it's one of those things where it's that weighing. I mean, you're talking about thousands of lives at that point. It's, and then and then for, for Congress to blow smoke up their ass about their medical issues and have them try to fight. Like, I don't even want to get into that because yeah, that's going to get crazy. That's, that's but for a whole other conversation. It, that's, that's so frustrating when you That really, might be one of those ones that's it. not recorded we can have <laughs> uh, just because – the state of the politics today is just so it's one thing for me to watch this movie and and get teary-eyed and think about it but as somebody in that profession talk a little bit about how that this this scene and this movie might hit you differently than the normal person it's the humanity of it man like it, it that's exactly what it is it's you know i i've done stupid stuff all my life <laughs> like like we've all made we've all done stupid stuff and i'm i'm, I'm proud of this stupid thing that i've chosen chosen to do because you know again you've seen how many lives he touched during it you saw how many lives he saved during it i mean they made a great point of when he went in and saved the kids about how much that touched him just the opportunity to help someone it, it, it's enough to get you through it i mean uh, the humanity of it was just that was what it was for me like damn like the dude was a good dude he did his thing he saved lives and Ultimately, it showed you like that real truth about it. Like, you know, 
I don't know. I, I don't know how to like put it into words, but it was it was really like a really good attempt at showing, you know, that human side of one of your family members, one of your friends, your brother going inside of that building and not coming back out. So and Jay Russell that decision to save the rest of them. Jay Russell, the director, said that this movie was very much a love story to firefighters and that he aimed mm-hmm. to make it as real as possible. He was asked a ton of times in interviews afterwards um, uh, how he felt the movie compared to dra- Backdraft, which uh, is, I, I'm told, um, not a very well-liked movie among no. firefighters. He no. said it's actually funny that that he's compared so much to Backdraft because obviously the two movies are such largely firefighter-related. Um, he said Ron Howard, the director of Backdraft, actually helped him very much with this movie in preparation and learning about the mistakes that Ron Howard had made and not to duplicate them. So, um, yeah, ultimately he said the theme of the movie is life is precious. Wow. So uh, if you ever go look at backdraft, just the, even the name of the movie that was not a backdraft. It was <laughs> like, if you look at what a backdraft is, it was not a backdraft. Like it was a lie from the very get go, man. Like they didn't, they didn't actually even tell you what a backdraft was. Um, <laughs> So I watched that movie when I was a kid, and that was one of the things where that like I started gnawing at the edges of my conscience, like, oh, maybe you could do that one day. Yeah. And you know, I, I have I've had a whole lot of different things in my head of things I should do. Like, um, and ultimately, like I said, I think I made the right choice for this. I I absolutely love it. My kids love it. My wife, even though, like I said, she's probably like crap herself as I walk out the door or I'm running out the door. Um, you know, she loves the camaraderie of it. It's a really, it's a really, really good family thing. So even though this is a special episode, there are a few check boxes that we got to cover. Um, okay. and one, of my, one of my favorite is uh, the three questions. So I have three questions that I've developed over my years of podcasting and that are going to help us determine whether or not this is a good movie, obviously from the unique perspective. So question number one, what was the message of the film and do you agree with it? Life is precious of hundred percent. Can't even, I don't even need to go into detail. On that one. <laughs> Life is precious, man. Perfect. Uh, question number two, how did the movie leave you feeling and do you think it was intentional? Um, it definitely made you sympathize with the role and I think respect the role a lot more. Um, again, this is that's a really tough question, being it's a unique podcast on this one. Um, I think they did a really good job of, you know, kind of serenading that firefighter thing and, you know, making it a story about the sacrifice that they make. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I thought was unique about it is obviously Joaquin Phoenix is playing a specific character, um, but he's not he's not based on any one firefighter. I mean, you do get the sense that this is kind of a generic firehouse with generic firefighters. And, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a positive, like this could be oh, dude, any, they, they pulled that whole Irish Boston thing. If that, that was, <laughs> so it was Baltimore, but it just could have just well been Boston. It could have yeah. just been well been New York. Mm-hmm. Like they played that really well by doing that generic will fit every single category we possibly can with all these characters. Yeah, I mean, sure. even, even, even Ricky, did a great job in there playing that role. I mean, he was that friend that got hurt and, you know, they pulled at your heartstrings type deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, question number three, what was the most important sequence in the movie? <sighs> to me, I would say the, it, it really stuck out to me just because it was one of those things that just showed the human side of it was the pastor joke for both of the new firefighters. <laughs> just because it showed it showed them as real people. So you spent the whole movie building them up as superheroes. And those two in those two scenes showed them as real people having a good time. Um the bar scenes where they're just being real people. And I, I think that that's oftentimes missed when you're looking at a police officer, a firefighter, an EMT is they're not always wearing the uniform. Yeah. They are real people. They have fun. They do stuff. And I think that was important because that's how camaraderie is built. You know that better than uh, just better than anyone that the stuff that happens behind the scenes is really the stuff that it's all made of. 
Yeah. It's yeah, not sure, about sure. when you put your uniform on and go to work. It's about the stuff that's happening behind the scenes. It's actually the glue. Well said. Well said. Um, I'm getting a wicked. Oh, there we go. Um, so, I mean, then then here here it is, the point of the show, talking to them about that. From the perspective of a firefighter, was Ladder 49 a good movie? It was a good movie. I actually really liked the movie. Again, dude, you had a powerhouse of actors in there, man. Um, I mean, between Travolta, the OG himself. Yeah, we didn't even talk about crazy. Johnny T, who whose career has gone to shit over the last couple of years. But this is this crazy. is him at his at his height. He's at his peak yeah. right now. Yeah, I mean, he went crazy shortly after this. Even Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix, you and I talked about this leading up to this. Joaquin Phoenix went crazy a little bit before this, and because I mean, this was obviously way before Joker. Yeah. Which so, I mean, you and I could probably spend hours talking about as well. But, I <laughs> so mean, Joaquin Phoenix is, is a child actor. This is 2004, so he's got quite a few movies under his belt, including Gladiator, including yep. It's All About Love. Um, but he does Walk the Line the following year, and then We Own the Night. All time favorite movies. Johnny Cash, dude, is just. Well, is, I mean, yeah, we that, yeah, that's a whole, again, that's a whole yeah. other podcast, right? There. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I agree with you. This is this is a good movie. Uh, scale of one to ten, I'd probably give us a solid seven and a half, eight. Um, I'm right around there too. Yeah, there's there's definitely. I mean, from a from a the, theoret, theatrical theatrical perspective, there's some things I would have done differently. Um, but from the general storytelling, like I said, to see the ending coming and still have it tug on your heartstrings as hard as it did, that's that's a feat in itself. I think they missed one spot in here, and The Departed hit it on its head. Is they went through the training piece. Mm-hmm. That training piece showing what, you know, kind of that lead up to who he, how him, ugh, how he became who he was. That was a piece that I think would have helped that movie along and maybe push that up to an eight. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and so they missed, you know, you literally just see him walk into the firehouse. There's no who he was before anything like that. So you look at a movie like The Departed, and it's a really poor example of comparing them two together. But it's a great movie, though. But it's a great movie. It shows you the kind of the transition on a bad cop side of becoming a cop. But it goes through that him as a boy and becoming a cop, him in the training piece becoming a cop. Like I would have liked to see a little bit more of that. Um, but dude, it was good casts. Um, I think they, you know, put together a really good story, sent a really good message across, and humanized the role way more than you know you would ever even imagine. A lot of times, it's just a bunch of dudes sitting around talking, and again, when those tones drop, all of a sudden you are no longer a dude, and you're putting gear on. Yeah, for sure. Um, so one of the other great things we like to play is a little game called Guess That Tomato. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so guess that tomato is pretty simple. If you're familiar with the website Rotten Tomatoes, they have both a uh, critic score and an audience score for almost every movie. And what I'd like you to do is give me a guess as to what you think the audience score is for Ladder 49. I think I'm going to give you a couple of hints and we'll see if you want to revise your guess. So zero to 100. What do you think the audience score is for 2004 Ladder 49? 87.7. Ooh, that's very specific. So what I'm going to give you is the critic score, which 164 critics rated this movie a 41, which we can talk about in a second. (sighs) What I'm also going to give you is I'm going to give you three other movies that are within 2% of Ladder 49 score. Oh, God. So movie number one, Bill and Ted Face the Music. (laughs) The, (laughs) The true test to see how much everyone really loves Keanu Reeves. Movie number two, Eddie and the Eagle. What happens when Wolverine teaches Elton John how to uh, ski jump or something like that? Movie number three, Resolution. Season two's start topic, which makes you question everything about helping a drug-addicted friend. I'm going to have to go in low 40s then. <laughs> so you're revising your score to, to low 40s. Yeah. So the correct answer at over 250,000 ratings is... Eighty-one percent. 
<laughs> so we we've talked a lot on this on this podcast about critic score versus audience score, and I always say that sometimes they're polar opposites. I think this is probably the best example we have of that. Forty-one from critics, eighty-one from audiences. I don't I don't understand how you watch this movie and get a forty-one. This is crazy. So again, I think you brought up some of the key points. Is critics generally don't like that you start at the end and then work your way back movies unless it's you know um benjamin button i mean there's really no and that was just the trajectory of the movie itself it wasn't you started a story and then stopped and start telling other little stories yeah um, one, one critic said a fairly routine firefighter drama with burning building sequences that more or less all look alike sure. jesus i mean okay bullshit he should lose his job it's ridiculous <laughs> Except Again, for... I, 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 this is a movie, Bob, I've watched, I think when it first came out, I probably watched it like 10 times. And I think at that point, you and I probably watched a movie together at some point when it first came out. <laughs> there's a really good chance. We may not remember a lot of what we watched, but there's a good chance that I had it on DVD. I actually definitely had it on DVD back then. This is, this is my favorite, this is my favorite review. Heartfelt, predictable and surprisingly poignant yeah and that's the person that probably gave it a 90 yeah they rated a, a b i don't know why yeah. they they gave it a b but yeah it's a score out of one to 100 that doesn't make any sense they didn't, they didn't pass school yeah um so the last thing i want to talk about before you leave uh is it's a firm believer of the owners of don't forget a towel that everybody geeks out on something while it may not be movies and comic books maybe it's setting fires and you know <laughs> becoming a firefighter so i gotta ask you mike what is it you're geeking out on right now uh well besides family i will show you my little um shrine oh i'm excited oh nice so for the listeners funko pop which i'm a huge fan of i love uh -huh. Thanos. that's great yeah, I got my own little collection here. Uh huh. I there's this is in my office. There's a, a collection of them here. It's uh, between who's that, your go-to character? Who, who's who's their usually kind of I'm Marvel all the way. I'm it's, sorry, it doesn't even matter the character at this point. Wandavision that that could be a podcast for you another know, day, dude. Even even as a firefighter, you can be wrong sometimes. It's okay. Yeah, I know you're a DC guy, but dude, <laughs> I, you you need to you need to get yourself into Wandavision for a little bit because that is just trippy. I love comic book content, regardless. I I am more DC leaning, uh, although they do not do good movies. They do great comic books. Sure. I am I have they watched Wandavision, great cartoon movies. Like, yes, absolutely. The, D, the DC animated live uh, action for Marvel blows them out of the water. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Wandavision is great. I haven't watched the most recent episode, so no spoilers. Neither yeah, but I am I am very hooked. Um, and and it's at, the time, at the time this podcast comes out, there it's going to be about two or three more episodes on top of what where we're at. But um, it was originally WandaVision is supposed to only be one season, and it's supposed to lead directly into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, but due to COVID and some rearranging, there might actually be a two or three month hiatus in between them. So we'll see. We'll see if they made changes based on that. They're, they're gonna with the. Uh, reviews that it's getting, they're going to have to keep them going with this. There's no way they don't figure I, out a way to... It might not be WandaVision, but it will... Right, and that's what I'm thinking. Because here's the thing. When it comes to the movies, you got the Iron Man, the Captain America, the Thor, mm -hmm. the, the front and center guys. But when you look at people like... Yeah, I would have said Black Widow, but she got her own movie. When you look at people like Hawkeye and Wanda and you know some of these... Not so mainstream characters. Oh, your B characters. A, a TV show is perfect for them. Did you, look you can the DC side? I will say that on the DC side, one of the best things that they've done hasn't been their movies. Titans is yeah. actually a pretty solid series. I agree. Now, it's not my favorite, but it's solid because they actually do a good job of uh, fleshing out characters in a really dark matter. And I think that's the difference between Marvel and DC. DC lives in a dark universe. Absolutely. They don't do a lot of, you know, the shining light for the universe, that type of thing. You don't have your Thors and things like that in there. Um, Titans actually does a good job of representing that darkness of DC. Mm -hmm. Most of the episodes are shot in like really low lighting where they're not, you know, not paying attention to all the bright coloring and things like that. I don't know, man. Like if they stick with that direction. 
But then again, you go outside of that, and the boys just flips everything on its head. Yeah. I, I know you're a big fan of the boys. Dude. That is way out there. It is a. It, what's what's crazy about that is they actually had to tone that down a lot for the show dude. because the comic book is that much more graphic and, and gory. The love sausage, dude. Yo, <laughs> it was like it was like a five second clip of there. <clears throat> I immediately went online. I was like. Who is this dude? And I was like, when I was found out who he was, I was like, no way. That there's no way that's a real character, but it is. It is. Yeah, they're crazy, man. Well, listen, Mike, I appreciate it so much. Thanks for talking to me. Of it's course. great to catch up and we gotta keep in touch. Yeah, man. I'm I'm always down for that. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right, buddy. got gutsy media podcast leave a message about any movies you've covered and maybe we'll add to the show thanks yo i used to like ladder 49 and movies like hiring and charging and buildings and police officers but it's all bullshit really to think about it and i it got ruined because that dude with the butthole eyes pete davidson always making jokes about his dad's death on 9-11 it just ain't funny to me and all those movies that, when i watch it now all i think about is him making jokes about his dead dad and while it's hilarious it's not really hilarious. Aladdin 49 is a good movie. It's tainted by that shit, though.